another quick uh, announcement. Uh, there's a movie again at the theaters this week. Um, another Christian movie that would be uh, I recommend seeing. We're going to be hit, taking the youth on Tuesday and some other people. Uh, Tuesday is the cheaper day. You can go any time though, uh, and it's uh, I can only imagine. And it looks like a great movie. On Tuesday, they actually have two showings, one at 4 and one at 6.30, 6.45. Get there early, way early on Tuesday, especially the evening. The 4 o'clock might not be so bad. If you can do the 4 o'clock, probably be okay. Um, should be a good, good movie. Uh, one of the other things, when we go and support movies like that, it tells the theater that there's actually an audience for better movies. So um, it's, it's a good thing. Hey Amen. I am so excited about this morning and next week and maybe the week after. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. And i got to be careful not to start yelling and screaming because I'm just... God is so good. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, the third person of the Godhead. We talked a little bit about this a couple weeks ago. We, we, we're familiar, but we're going to spend some more time today and next week, probably the week after, understanding a little bit more about the baptism with or in the Holy Spirit, uh, the differences between that and uh, the initial filling of the Holy Spirit that we, we have because we're saved. It's the Holy Spirit that works in us for our salvation. It's the actually Holy Spirit, the Bible says, that baptizes us into Christ, which, which means that it's the Holy Spirit who ha- is the agent that causes us to be saved. So every believer who's ever called on the name of Jesus, who've been transformed and been saved, had the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the sense they were baptized into Jesus by the work of the Holy Ghost in their life. Well, this morning we're going to continue that theme and talk about uh, some of the other parts of the, the Holy Spirit so we can understand the Holy Spirit. A moment ago I said the Holy Ghost. That's a fun word. Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit's kind of innocuous. We like that word. But when you start saying Holy Ghost, people get freaked out. You know, sometimes I just would be kind of fun to just get in an elevator and just start talking about the Holy Ghost and see what happens. Um, but, uh, but he's known both as the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, and, and we're going to learn uh, to understand a little bit more. Now, as far as the Holy Spirit goes, the, Spir- the Holy Spirit, again, is part of the triunity of God, the triune God, the Godhead. It's, it's, as I, I said a few weeks ago, and I say this often, we, we, some people look at it like this, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, and, and it's not. He, the Holy Spirit is absolutely co-equal with God. He is God. Okay? Now, see, we have Father God. Okay? We have Jesus, who is God. And we have the Holy Spirit, who is God. And we're, this message is about the Trinity, but I could, would love to, if anyone has questions about how can that be, take you all through the scriptures that ha- say how can it not be is really what happens when you read the Bible. And so, but we begin to see the Holy Spirit in the very beginning of the Bible in the, in the book of Genesis says that the Spirit was hovering above the waters. Okay, we, we find that in Psalms, he talked about how the Spirit is the one who created us. Well, I thought that it was God who created us. And in, in, in Hebrews, it says that the Son was part of the creation of us. Well, well, it's all true because the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, was one of the agents in, in the creation of everything. Um, the, uh, in the Bible, we see a lot of different names and revelations of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to go through just a few. I read this uh, great uh, um, short book 
this week about um, 87 names or roles of the Holy Spirit through the scriptures. The first one was in Genesis and the last was, was in Revelation. He reveals himself through the, through the Spirit throughout the whole Bible. And, uh, but I want to talk a little bit about and just give us, give us some of these things. Uh, we'll go kind of quick through these, but if you're taking notes or we can, uh, we can get these to you later. One of the things that the Holy Spirit is, is referred to as or called is the Spirit above the waters. That was in Genesis when the Spirit of God was above the water. He's also known as the breath of God. The breath of God. The word in the Hebrew and in the Greek both mean breath or wind. In the Greek, it's pneuma. And it means wind or, or it can be breath. He's also known as the double portion. He's known as the double portion. The Holy Spirit is known, of course, as the Spirit of God. In fact, when you read the Bible and you, you see the Spirit of God, what you need to understand is what they're saying is that's Holy Spirit. That's the Spirit of God. Um, he's, he's referred to and known as the oil, the oil of God. So when the anointing in the Old Testament, when they would anoint with oil, that was a symbol of the anointing with the Holy Spirit. He's also known as the breath of the Almighty. Um, his spirit is related to God's presence. That's in Psalm 139.7. I'm not going to go to too many of these scriptures because there's a lot, but I'm going to go to that one real quick. Not a great song that we sang this morning. Do it again. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? So the spirit of God is the presence of God. Isn't that good? He, he's, he's known as the fire, the fire of God. Jesus said he would, uh, John said that the, 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 the um, Jesus would come and he would baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. I like that one. Holy Spirit, fire. Uh, if, if you're familiar with history at all, just in the, in the last century, in the Azusa Street outpouring, um, people were seeing flames coming from the house where the revival happened on, on Azusa Street so much that the fire department was called numerous times over the course of the revival because they thought the building was on fire because people again and again said there's flames coming out of this building. Read the history. This is history, guys. This is what the Holy Spirit came down in. And, and so he's known as fire. He's also known as water, which is, which is awesome because he's everything. Um, we see the Holy Spirit coming down as a dove. He's not a dove. Comes down as a dove. Um, in other words, we, we don't exactly understand, but he's, um, he's also related to, of course, power. Scriptures say that the Holy Spirit comes in power. And, and who needs power in their life? I need power in my life. We're going to talk about what that power is. He's also related to conviction. If you've ever been convicted of a sin, that's the Holy Spirit doing a work in your life, convicting you of sin. So he's the power of God. He's the conviction. He's also uh, related with grace. So he doesn't just convict us of sin, but he brings grace to us. Thank God for that because I've, had, I've been convicted of sin and without the grace of God, I just, I just lie in my misery because I'm a sinful man. But his grace comes because of Jesus. Um, he's also related to supplication and intercession both, which is prayer. Uh, he's, he, he's the spirit of intercession. He's the spirit of supplication. He's also call, uh, known as the spirit that gives rest. The spirit that gives rest. Some of you this morning need Holy Spirit to give you rest. Um, it says in, in Acts that, that he would um, clothe us, so he's like a garment that envelops us. Holy Spirit. 
like a garment that envelops you. If you've ever been filled uh, with the Holy Spirit and you've experienced that feeling of it, you just feel like, you know, some people say, I just feel like I'm just being like, wrapped around in a blanket. Uh, he's, he's related to those things. He's, he's related and known as the wind. Uh, the wind blows wherever it goes. Talking about the Holy Spirit. He flows like streams of living water, John chapter 7 says. Uh, and, and I love, uh, when I was young, uh, we didn't know that you shouldn't drink out of mountain streams or, you know, you've got to be careful of them because of the bacteria. So I used to drink out of mountain streams all the time. Even just the ones right here on Pine Knot, there's a nice stream that goes down. And I, there was nothing like on a hot day just getting down on my, on my belly and just drinking of the mountain streams. He's known as the, the streams of living waters. Uh, we we uh, had a, a message in our life group on Thursday talking about heaven. Mickey was talking about heaven last week, and so we developed that a little bit more. And, and, and when the, the new earth comes, there's going to be rivers of living water that come uh, from the tree of life, and it's going to bring life to everyone. So the Holy Spirit is known as streams of living water. In John chapter 14, the only place in the Bible that is given this name to the Holy Spirit is he's the counselor. It's also uh, translated as comforter. In the Greek, it's paraclete. Paraclete. Well, well, we get some, some words, you know, the word para means to come alongside, and the word cleat, even in, in English, is something that you put onto something to support it and to help it. So is the Holy Spirit is one who would come alongside of us and support and comfort and help and counsel. Three times in the book of John, uh, this, this term is used for the Holy Spirit. He's known as the Spirit of Truth. The Spirit of truth. Jesus came and he said that I am the way, the truth, and life, and Holy Spirit is known as the Spirit of truth. Both Acts chapter 2 and Galatians 3 says that he is a promise. He's a promise. We need to know that the Holy Spirit is a promise to us. In fact, Jesus said this, this pr a promise is, is for you and for all those who are far off who would believe um, is about the Holy Spirit. Uh, he's also known as a gift. We're going to develop that a little bit more in this. Acts chapter 2, it says that you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 1, he says he's the spirit of holiness. I don't know about you, I can't have holiness on my own. I try, I fail. But Holy Spirit is the spirit of holiness that dwells within us. We need this. He's known as a seal. And the seal would be something uh, in, in, in the olden days and where they would actually take and they would put a seal on things to show ownership. In fact, uh, ships that were bringing wood, uh, when they would leave the one port bringing the wood, somebody on that port would put a seal on each of the logs or on the lumber. So when they arrived, each piece of lumber had a seal on it knowing who it belonged to. The Holy Spirit in your life is the seal of God that you belong to him. You belong to the Lord. If you have the Holy Spirit in your life, you belong to the Lord. He's a deposit guaranteeing what's to come, the Bible says, also in Ephesians. The Holy Spirit in us who does these things and more, who brings power and grace and teaches us to pray and praise, uh, intercedes even through us, um, brings conviction, is the promise and deposit of what's to come heaven we when we have when we're in fellowship with the holy spirit when we're, we're living in him and full of him we're we are as close to god as we ever will be 
And there's times, if you've ever felt that closeness with God through the Holy Spirit, and you go, I just, you, you just become enamored with him, that's, a de- that's kind of the, the promise and the deposit showing what's going to happen for eternity more in this presence. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says that he is the spirit of wisdom and revelation. It says that the Holy Spirit is a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline, right? In 2 Timothy 1.14, says that all this, the Holy Spirit lives in us. The Holy Spirit lives in us. You know, in, in olden days, in the, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon people to do great works, and then he would leave. David, even Saul, had the Holy Spirit come upon him for power, for, for ministry, and then Holy Spirit would leave. Christ was the first who had the Spirit always in him. But as we receive the Spirit, because Jesus said he wouldn't leave us alone, he wouldn't leave us as orphans, he would send the Holy Spirit to us that he would always be with us and always be in us. It says in Second Timothy that the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You ever try to get away from God? You can't do it. Holy Spirit lives in you. You know, it's, it's, it's like the kid, you know, turning off all the lights and sneaking into the kitchen at night with the, for the cookie. You know, only problem, problem is there's video cameras everywhere. Holy Spirit is always in us. He lives in us. And if you've ever tried to walk away from God, if you've ever tried to, to go and partake in a little bit of extracurricular sin, you know the conviction that comes upon because of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. First John 2, it also says that he is known as the anointing, Holy Spirit. So this morning we want to continue on and learn and understand who this Holy Spirit is and what he wants to do in our life. What is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? Before we do that, we need to understand that there is, uh, Jesus wanted us to understand that the Holy Spirit would come upon us after conversion after salvation do you remember when jesus was talking to his his disciples he hadn't resurrected yet and he breathed on me says receive the holy spirit and he breathed on them remember that that is not the baptism in the holy spirit that is the salvation holy spirit coming because after that jesus told him to go wait until they're endued without with power when the holy spirit comes upon them it's two different things. Two different things. Both in Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 19, we have an interesting thing. So Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit has come upon uh, uh, all the disciples at Pentecost. Remember Peter, who was uh, um, the, the scared little denier of Christ, is now preaching to thousands of people because the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, has come upon him. And now he's got boldness. Uh, it took. It, it didn't happen... It, you know, you, you would think if the boldness was just going to happen that as soon as he saw Jesus, he'd be bold. But it took another 40 days for the spirit of boldness to come on upon Peter because that power, that boldness can, comes with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus told him, wait until you're endued with power from on high and the Holy Spirit will come upon you. In the, in the preaching on Acts chapter 2, Peter tells all the people, this is it, this is the last days, the Holy Spirit is here. He's moving upon men and women of all denominations, of all people. And this is the, the uh, revelation of the prophet Joel. And, and so he preaches that message. Now, after that, in, in uh, one example, Acts chapter 19, 
Paul's in Ephesus, and it says, It happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and he found some disciples. Okay, so these are people that are saved. They're already disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And he said to them, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And so Paul says, Into what uh, then were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. So Paul says to them, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying that people that they should believe on him, on Christ, who would come after him, that is on Christ. So when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. So they're baptized in Paul first. Now they've been baptized in Jesus. And then it says, when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. We need to receive the Holy Spirit. We need to to understand that Holy Spirit wants to come in power and do something in our life. Christ made it very clear when he ascended, when he, ascended he talks to them in John chapter 14, and, and he says it in Luke. He says that you're going to go and you're going to wait and you're going to receive power. But in John chapter 14, he's talking about, I'm going to go away, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send another comforter, he says. The, the Bible says another comforter. The word another means one like the first in addition to the first, another comforter, and that's going to be the Holy Spirit. And then he says that he, the Holy Spirit, will be on them and be with them and be in them. And then a little while later, it says that I will be in you. See, Jesus lives in the believer through the Holy Spirit. But we had to wait and we have to receive. The Holy Spirit is not given at the time of conversion. If it was, then Paul would not have, in Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 19, he would not have had to lay hands on the believers so they would receive the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, right? Salvation comes through faith, not through the laying on of hands. Nobody has to lay hands on you in order for you to be saved. So what was this point of Paul praying that they would receive the Holy Spirit if it's part of conversion? It's very simple. This is an addition to salvation, that, that God wants us to walk in power. Power. Now, what's the purpose of the Holy Spirit? Two main things. Two main things. The power to witness, Acts chapter 2. He gave them the boldness to be able to preach the gospel. And accompanying signs and miracles, prophecy and speaking in tongues, uh, miracles and healing. All of these things are gifts, supernatural gifts of the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through people. All of these are used in order to bring people closer to Jesus. You know, Jesus wouldn't want any miracles just, just for the sake of doing a miracle. Everything he does is about bringing glory to the Father and bringing people closer to him. So, so if you have a gift of the Holy Spirit, that gift is not for you. That gift isn't just for you to feel good about yourself and to feel like better than other people that don't have that gift. I got a gift. Isn't that great? You don't. <laughs> if you were as good as me, you'd have a gift, but you're not. No. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are to bring glory to the Father and to bring people close to Him. And here's what's great. Remember that scripture I said? This gift is for you and for your children, for all who are far off who will believe. This did not stop at Pentecost. It didn't stop all the way through the book of Acts. It keeps going on. And the testimony of history says that the Spirit of God pours himself out on the people 
for power to witness, and the second one, which is just as important, and that's godly living. The Holy Spirit lives in us to help us to mortify the flesh. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us to live for God. Now, now this week and, and probably more next week, we're going to get further into it. We're going to talk about the, the uh, fruit of the Spirit and talk about the difference between the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit because there's a huge difference Okay? The, the, remember, I said a moment ago that the Holy Spirit is a gift. A gift is given and it's done. The gift doesn't grow. It's just given. Fruit takes time to develop. So the fruit of the Spirit is what develops in a person's life in time when they're walking in the Spirit. You know, what is that, right? Isn't that the, the always thinking, well, what is that? It's not exercising spiritual gifts. One thing I want to make sure is that we don't think, we don't connect or, or, or make equal having a gift of the Spirit, let's say it's prophecy, and just using that gift of prophecy all the time is going to produce fruit. No, the fruit of the Spirit is by living a life that's controlled by the Spirit of God. But gifts of the Spirit can happen at any time with somebody who's filled with the Spirit because it's a gift. And God gives that gift, and he says the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. The things that God gives, he lets them have whether they bear fruit or not. The only thing is that when people aren't bearing fruit in the Spirit, I believe it grieves the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit enables us to mortify the flesh, to make the flesh dead. We cannot keep himself uh, apart from the daily strength with, that the Holy Spirit imparts. We need the, the strength the Holy Spirit imparts in order to live daily away from sin. Let's go with uh, Romans chapter 8. So many scriptures in my heart this morning. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to dwell inside of us, to help us mortify. That's an old, old word. Kill, make useless the flesh. Now, if you've read the Bible, if you've read Romans, this is that wonderful place where Paul himself is, you know, he says, you know, that what I do want to do, I don't do. That what I don't want to do, I do do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? He's just struggling. He seems uh, just uh, like we all do. At times, we're having a difficulty um, overcoming, this, uh, overcoming sin and temptation in our life. But the Holy Spirit in our life, allowing him to move, is what's going to help to kill and mortify the flesh. Now the whole Romans chapter 8 is really talking about this. In the very beginning it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. I read that again this week, and I went, we cut this verse off too often. We just say the first part. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But it goes on to say, for those that do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You know, if you're not walking in the Spirit, you actually can probably feel pretty darn condemned. But as you're walking in the Spirit, there's no condemnation. Those who are in Christ Jesus and walking according to the Spirit. And you go, well, wh what is that? When you're walking according to the Spirit, you're allowing the Spirit to live through you to help direct your paths, to help make, to give you the right choices to make and empower you to do that. The problem is, is that we still have control. We can choose to let him live in through us and direct us, or we can choose to not listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit. 
and we can walk according to our own will, according to the flesh. It says that the spirit uh, that Christ Jesus made us free from the law of sin and death. Verse 3. Verse 4, or that was verse 2. Verse 4 says, The righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. We need to go and hit five. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Now, we homeschool our kids, and I am the, the junior high, high school math teacher. Okay, math comes a little bit easier to me, so I've got algebra all over. And so, you know, in algebra, like, as long as you take the things that are, they're equal, you can interchange them in different parts because it's equal. Okay, so we're going to do some algebra here and, and, and read this a few different ways. Some people are going, not algebra. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Okay, let's do this. Those who set their minds on the things of the flesh live according to the flesh. Does that make sense? If you set your mind onto the flesh, you're going to live according to the flesh. I'm praying for revelation right now because right there, this should be some revelation. Wait a second. I've been struggling in my life. I've been struggling in my sin. And I know that I, I've read this before, that those who live according to the flesh will set their minds on the things of the flesh. And I just got to stop living according to the flesh because my mind is still on the flesh. No. Stop living, putting your mind focused on the flesh. Instead, focus your mind on the things of the Spirit. Let's go on to the next part. Those who live according to the Spirit, I missed a part, but those, who live, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Let's flip that one. Those who set their minds on the things of the Spirit will live according to the Spirit. It's just pretty simple. So how are you doing? How's your thinking? Are you, are, 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 do you ever go, man, I just want to walk according to the Spirit? And the next thing you know, you're telling a dirty joke? I just want to walk according to the Spirit. I just love all this secular music about sex and drugs and rock and roll. What is your mind set on? If your mind is set on the things of the flesh, on the natural things, that's what's going to be coming out in your life. But as you begin to focus and put your mind on the things of the Spirit, the things of God, you're going to begin to walk in the Spirit more. What are you watching? What are you listening to? What are you talking about? What are your thoughts when you're driving down the street? The Bible says in Corinthians that we have the ability because of the power of the Holy Spirit to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Amen. I just can't help these thoughts. Yes, you can. You just got to start. You just got to start. What's the, you ever get a song stuck in your head? If I give you one, you'd hate me all day. <laughs> one of the best ways to get rid of that song is to replace it with another song, isn't it? It's hard to sing. It's a small world all day. <laughs> Some of you are going to be going home. It's a small world after all. And when you get home, you're going to have to say, I need to listen to some music. I got I to gotta get a different song to replace this song, right? I mean, you got to get, hopefully, you know, not the, I got the lovely bunch of coconuts. Or, then you got to replace that song. You got to replace the next song, Right? When you have these thoughts in your mind, 
that aren't pleasing to God, you've got to replace the thoughts. The Bible says whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is pleasing, if anything is praiseworthy, to think about such things. We focus our mind and our hearts on the things of God. It says, it says to set your affection on things above, not on things of earth. See, the Spirit of God lives inside of us, the Holy Spirit. If we've asked and received the Holy Spirit, which we're going to talk even more about that in the coming weeks because we, we see, see, see that, but if we've, been, we've asked to be filled with the Holy Spirit, doesn't have to, no, I don't believe you actually have to have people lay hands on you because it's happened to just people who just want to receive the Holy Spirit in power. But when that's happened to you, you have the Spirit of God living inside of you. The Holy Spirit can bring all things to your remembrance. Thank God. He can bring some scriptures to your memory. You might need those to counteract the thoughts that you're having. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is not in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And he goes on. If you live according to the flesh, you'll die, but by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body you will live. We have to submit our lives to the Holy Spirit. Let Him have the reign. That, that means when the conviction begins to come, we actually listen to it. We're all, we, well, we all hear the voice of God, the voice of conviction, not condemnation, but of, of, of direction from the Holy Spirit. We need to listen and obey and stop doing it our own way setting our affections on the things of this earth. Corinthians chapter 3 says, So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us and we can see and reflect the glory of God. And He will transform us but the word is, I love it, it's, the, the word is metamorpho, which is metamorphosis. There can be a change in your life as you allow Holy Spirit to live in you, to choose to, to let Him live His life through you. Again, we're going to talk more about the fruit of the Spirit next week. In one of my uh, books, Foundations of Pentecostal Theology, it says, We mortify the deeds of the flesh by reckoning the old man crucified with Christ and then by choosing to walk under the guidance and power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. We mortify the deeds of the flesh by reckoning. That means understanding, just agreeing that the old man is crucified with Christ, and then by choosing to walk under the guidance and power of the indwelling Spirit. That's what we need to do, is make those choices. Who is the Holy Spirit in your life? I gave a whole bunch of list of the names of the Holy Spirit, but a guy named A.J. Gordon wrote this. The name is the person himself. And only as we know the person can we interpret his name. Why attempt to translate this word any more than we do the name of Jesus? Talking about uh, the Holy Spirit. Certain it, certain it is that the language of the Holy Ghost can never be fully understood by an appeal to the lexicon. The heart of the church is the best dictionary of the Spirit. While all the before-mentioned synonyms, the ones I gave and more, are correct, neither one is adequate, nor are altogether sufficient to bring out the full significance of this great name, the paraclete. We're not going to fully 
know and understand the name of Holy Spirit, the name Paraclete, until we spend time and get to know him personally. And then we're going to understand what his name means. There's another one that's going to be stuck in your head. So much good stuff, but I think it's going to fit better with, with next week and the fruit of the Spirit. And, and we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, and then the week after probably the gifts of the Spirit. Father God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the three parts of the Trinity. When you read the Bible, you, you have to agree that they have to be one. Because the word Trinity isn't in the Bible, but when you read it, they have to be one. Otherwise, it's all, it just doesn't work. And so Holy Spirit, God wants to live in us through the Holy Spirit, which means, okay, if Holy Spirit is living in you, and that's God, you will never be closer to God than you can be right now. He, he wants to reveal himself fully to us and to walk with us. And I believe that as we yield to him, as we allow him to speak to us and lead us and guide us, that we can begin to hear his voice more clearly each and every day. I believe that he will empower us to say no to ungodliness, to break the chains of addiction. See, the chains have actually been broken in your life. The, the work is done in, in, at Calvary in Jesus, and he's going to help you to say no to this ungodliness as we yield our life to him and spend time in fellowship with him. John chapter 14, we spent a lot of time in this a few months back. What was the secret of, of John chapter 14? Remember, that was about the vine. Abide in the vine. It's also the same spot that, that Jesus is talking about, sending us the Holy Spirit. We need to abide in Christ, abide in the Holy Spirit. Allow your, your thought life and, and your actions to be governed in him and spending time with him and as we do that you'll begin to see more and more and I'll begin to see more and more the fruit of the spirit coming and, and being manifest in our lives I believe we'll also see the gifts of the Holy Spirit moving I, over the next few weeks we're going to really talk about this but sometimes people tend to focus on fruit or gifts and often people say things like I well I just would rather have the fruit of the Spirit. Well, if this was an option, Jesus would have never given us the gifts. If it was just like, just pick one, whichever one you like, why would he give us two? He wants us to walk in the gifts of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, and he also wants us to have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. So we're going to really focus on both of these so that we can understand and walk in the fullness that God has for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent another comforter, another in the same understanding and form as Jesus Christ that would not walk with us, but would live in us. God, this morning we all recognize our need for the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. If there is a, an, another understanding in it or a baptism in the Holy Spirit, we would ask for that today because we don't want to be left as orphans we don't want to be left to fight sin and the sinful nature and the flesh without the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to be able to walk our lives in boldness in the power that comes with the Holy Spirit. And then, Lord, we want to yield our life to Holy Spirit and His leading and guiding. So you guide us into all truth and teach us your word and bring back 
to, to memory the things that we've learned before so that we can walk in victory and overcome all the schemes of the evil one. Lord, I pray for that anointing, that filling, that covering of fire and water to come upon each of us. In Jesus' name, amen.